Our scripture today comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. There is a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens, a time for giving birth and a time for dying, a time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted, a time for killing and a time for healing, a time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for crying and a time for laughing. A time for mourning and a time for dancing. A time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones. A time for embracing and a time for avoiding embraces. A time for searching and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for throwing away. A time for tearing and a time for repairing. A time for keeping silent and a time for speaking. A time for loving and a time for hating, a time for war and a time for peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before I begin, I just want to say thank you to Ms. Darlicia Circe from... um, Uh, We have had a blessing of having a connection with the Muni for several years. And uh, we're blessed to have singers that come from productions to share their faith in songs that either they, that have touched their lives or songs that they grew up with. And so thank you for sharing your faith with us this morning through the beautiful gift of music. Um, We are also celebrating an anniversary. The, the flowers on the altar this morning are in celebration of Greg and Mary Kate's 67th, 67th wedding anniversary. So, <laughs> these things certainly bring us joy, don't they? These celebrations. And we're talking today about emotions. Joy, sadness, anger, disgust, fear. In today's movie clip that you saw earlier, Joy is um, in control of all of Riley's emotions. And she comes to an understanding at the end of the movie that sadness has a role. That there truly is a time for laughing and a time for crying. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, wash over us today your Holy Spirit just as you have been. Help us to hear you in the everyday, the movies, the books, the conversations. And today, oh God, I pray that you would touch my mind, my lips, my tongue, my voice, but especially my heart today, oh God that I might proclaim your words. Help me get out of the way so that your spirit might be lifted. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you have children or grandchildren, there's a strong possibility that you've seen this movie, Inside Out. It's a wonderful Disney Pixar film, and it's centered around all of the emotions that the family have. And 
And so joy is the center emotion for Riley's life all of her 11 years up to this point. Riley is a young little girl who uh, loves hockey. She lives in Minnesota and she finds out that her parents are moving. Not only are they moving, but they're going to move to San Francisco. I don't know about you, but I think hockey's not a big thing in San Francisco. And so she's moving into a different culture, a different world, and, and so she's experiencing all the emotions that kind of go with that. And so Joy is trying to control all of that. She's trying to make sure that Riley's core memories are protected. And so she wants to have sadness in its place. Well, we can understand all of the emotions of life, can't we? It's important in the process of a journey in this movie that Joy finds out that sadness has this important role because it's just like all of us, sadness does have an important role in our lives. All right, so emotion. If you are a St. Louis Blues fan, you know all about emotion, right? Right? You know all about emotion. We have been through the agony of defeat many, many, many times, right? Right, Marvin? Right. right. And we have the joy of victory, right? Because what did St. Louis do this year? Bring home the Stanley Cup, right? Wow. Such an array of emotions that we have experienced here in St. Louis. If you remember the blue story, January, we were in what place? Last place. And then by the end, we were winning the cup. We were bringing the cup home. Now, most of you know that I had been on sabbatical. Joe and I teased that the first part of my sabbatical was a sports sabbatical because I got to go to a lot of the Blues games and that kind of thing. I am an avid Blues fan. And, um, and so this began long ago in Texas. Joe took me to my first hockey game as a treat. He did not know what, this was going to what outcome this was going to be. I was hooked from that point on. I've, I love hockey. Now, in school, I did not get to go to too many games to the Stars because I was school, work, that kind of thing, and so it just didn't make room for me to attend a lot of hockey games. But when I came up to St. Louis, school was no longer in the picture, and I had a little bit more free time, and Joe took me to a few Blues games, and from that point on, the Blues will forever be my team. I just love hockey, but I have experienced all of the emotions that go along with being a Blues fan. I have experienced the anger. I have experienced the disgust. I have experienced fear at times. One of the points that I experienced fear this last season was when I saw Dunn get hit by the puck in his jaw, and I knew immediately from the point that he went down that it was serious. I've experienced the sadness when we didn't make it past certain rounds, and fear in the point that, you know, I might, was weary that we might not win the cup, and then that ultimate joy, right? I was in, um, down by the Lake of the Ozarks on the final game. I had found a restaurant that had a great big screen, <laughs> and I was seat seated at the bar where I was up close by the, by the big screen to watch the game. Little did I know the owner of the restaurant is sitting right to my right, and he gets up and moves. 
because I am like going nuts. And, and this little table back behind my left was a group of young women. And by, by the time the game was over, they had moved up with me. And they were cheering. I, I, am, I get a little when it comes to the blues. But that, that emotion is just a part of that excitement. And I don't think there's a big enough exclamation point that really talks about how we experience all of those emotions. Now then, I'm going to give you a, a little tidbit. I may not supposed to be doing this, but I'm just telling a few friends. That's all. On September 29th, we are going to have the cup at our worship in the park. <laughs> September, September 29th is our worship in the park. We're at World's Fair Pavilion again. The cup's not going to come up until after worship is over. <laughs> Just making that very clear. But then there'll be a time where you can actually have your picture made with a cup and that kind of thing. That is from the generosity of one of the owners who wants to share the cup and the celebration with the community. And so we're going to actually get to host that on September 29th. So just those emotions. We just, I mean, I see all the smiles out there, right? All the smiles out there. You know, social media came up with something because they couldn't really capture all the emotions. They came up with something called the emoji, right? There's a smiley face, a sad face, a rolling of the eye face. I, I use that one a lot with my family, the rolling <laughs> of the eye face. There's actually even a little poo emoji that us older folks mistook for a chocolate drop when it first came out because we didn't really understand that one. But, you know, there's, a, there's an emoji for every emotion, and that is so important because we know that there's emotion in every moment of every day. And the teacher, the wisdom literature, teaches us that there's a time for everything under the heavens. A time for crying and a time for laughing, a time for mourning and a time for dancing. The teacher sees time as this period of opportunity. The seasons of our lives give us the opportunity to experience all that God has created for us. Along with the feelings and the limitations and the freedoms that go along with that. And the teacher says that God has given us this context, this rhythm and reliability, this crisis and change. And we take our place in this unfolding drama, this story of our lives. And that story has purpose, God's purpose. God has placed us here in this season of life to work for his purposes, amen? using all of who we are. God did not create us just a physical being. God did not create us just a spiritual being. And God did not create us just an emotional being. God created us all of that. Physical, spiritual, emotional. We're all of that. We're made in the image of God. 
And Peter Scazzaro has written a book about emotional health. And in this, he says that the best way to get in touch with our creator is really get in touch with who we are emotionally, our emotional health. Sometimes we make the mistake like Joy did in the movie Inside Out that one emotion should control all of the other emotions, or we think that one emotion is maybe better than the others. In fact, society's really put a stigma on um, depression or sadness, right? Amen. When God has created us in all of that, there's a time for everything under the heavens. You know... Sometimes we think it's better to be happy than it is to be sad. Or we think it's, we have to control our anger to a point that we can't express how we feel. And God did not create us that way, church. Just think about Jesus for just a moment. He had all of these experiences, didn't he? Of course he experienced joy. We, we hear it in the stories in the gospel. The gospel of John talks about how he tells the disciples, as the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And then he says this, I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. And then there were times when Jesus was disgusted. We'd have a hard time thinking about that, right? But you can almost see the eye roll emoji in the corner of the margins of the Bible in some of those, those parts of the story. He's disgusted sometimes with the, with the disciples and their lack of faith. He's disgusted sometimes with the Pharisees and their rules and laws and unable to see beyond that. And in this story, you can almost hear the disgust in his voice. When they came to the crowd, a man met Jesus. He knelt before him, saying, Lord, show mercy to my son. He is epileptic and suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire or the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus answered, oh, you faithless and crooked generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. You can almost hear it that way, right? Bring him here. I'll take care of it. Disgusted with their lack of faith. And then there were times when Jesus was angry. We, we often think about that when Jesus is turning over the tables, right? In the temple. He's, he's so angry with their misuse of sacrifice that he's turning over the tables. It says, Then Jesus went into the table and threw out all those who were selling and buying there. He pushed over the tables used for currency exchange and the chairs of those who sold doves. He said to them, It's written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a hideout for crooks. Amen. And see, you see this. Anger rise up in Jesus over the church not keeping its focus on its purpose. And then there are times when Jesus is fearful. 
hard for us to imagine that a divine, fully human, fully divine, would experience fear. We, we hear in the scriptures over and over again, do not fear. Why would he experience fear? But he was fully human. And the thought of nails going through the wrists or hands and feet would scare anyone, right? And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, for this purpose I have come to this hour. And Jesus experienced sadness, as Patty talked about in the children's sermon. Those two words are probably the shortest, but the most compassion-filled words in the scripture. Jesus wept. He wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. So if we are created in the image of God, and we are to live our lives in a Christ-like manner, then why in the world would we say that there are some emotions that we're not allowed to experience? Because we are created in the image of God. And we learn our life from the story of the Master, the great physician, our Savior, and our Lord. As the characters of the movie Inside Out say, there is one thing that the different emotions have in common, and that is that they are all there to take care of you. They're all there to take care of you. It's not only important to work on our IQ, it's important to work on our EQ as well. Our emotional health. And there should be no stigma to that. Now, if you remember the movie clip, Joy tries to keep sadness in her circle, right? We want you, sadness, to stay right here in this circle. Don't venture out. Stay right here. How many of us do that? I know so many people who try to keep their sadness in a circle. I don't want other people to see that I'm sad, or they try to keep it in a circle of denial, saying, that, that, that didn't happen, and I'm just going to focus on the things that are positive, the things that make me happy. That doesn't work that well, does it? Because those feelings tend to crop up whether you want them or not. Now, why do we try to keep that in the circle? You know, I've thought about that, and I thought one of the side effects for sadness is crying, right? We, we don't like to cry in front of other people. In fact, when I cry in front of other people, I have that ugly cry going on, you know. We don't like that. And what do we say to our kids? We say, don't cry, or you stop that crying, or... Why are you crying? Or my favorite, and I've used it quite a bit. If you don't stop that crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. <laughs> Parents, anybody here with me? Ever said that to your kids? Good, I'm not feeling so alone now. Crying makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? That's why we try to keep it in its circle. And sometimes men have trouble more so than women with crying. They feel like they have to have that tough facade 
boys don't cry, we've heard that right, that saying. Well, my family of origin is that way, and maybe why I don't like to cry in front of other people is my parents kind of did that as well. We don't show sadness in front of others. When Joe and I moved to Texas, here we come to that part in the sermon, um, my daughters are four years apart, and so my dad would come to um, visit from time to time, and I would guess that Laura was about eight and Holly was about four, three or four at the time. And they came, my mom and dad came to visit. They had a wonderful week. And when it came time to leave, they, they gathered their things, packed the car, and they were getting ready to leave. And my daughter stood in the driveway and cried, Papa, don't go. Papa, don't go, stay. And the tears were just flowing. And, and my dad drove off, and, and mom shared with me that dad cried all the way from Marshall to Texarkana. And from that point on, my dad would not leave the girls unless they had gone to school, if he came to visit. He would drop them off, and, and then he would leave. And I often wonder what my dad could have taught my girls and me if he just sat in the driveway and cried with them. He'd have showed him that it was okay to cry, right? It's okay to be sad about these points. But the next time we see each other, it will bring it even more sweeter, right? You see, the best way to fix sadness is not to try to fix it or deal with it or ignore it. The best way to be sad is just be present with someone just as Christ is present with us. Through all the difficult times, through all this, the ups and downs of life, the highs and lows of life, Christ walks with us, never leaves us nor forsakes us. In fact, sadness is just as important part of our life as joy is, church, because we understand. We we can empathize with someone else who's going through something difficult. You see, the intersection of joy and sadness are the mantra of the Christian faith. God's gift of sadness is seen on the cross, but then there's hope, right? There's hope in the empty tomb. You see, the cross is where sadness and joy meet and bring hope, resurrection, transformation. That's how we can live fully as Jesus Christ. You see, sadness might be, just might be, one of the greatest gifts God ever gave us. Those tears are tears of love. As Dr. Kerr used to tell me all the time when tears would flow, he'd say, that's just drops of love right there. Just drops of love. And so I want to end today with a poem written by the well-known William Blake. Because that intersection of joy and sadness 
can bring so much to our lives. And we can see that intersection of resurrection and hope in those moments. And it's said beautifully in a poem. Joy and woe are woven fine, a clothing for the soul divine. Under every grief and pine runs a joy with silken twine. It is right, it should be so. We were made for joy and woe. And when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. May you hold on to every piece of it. Because we'll experience the highs and the lows, the gifts of emotion, maybe even within a few minutes of each other. And so we know, we know in those moments that God created us that way and that God's love is a part of all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. You were given an, an emoji when you came in. And um, this is for you to take home. This is what I would like for you to do. I would like for you to spend some time in prayer and meditation. And on one side, the side that has the smiley face, maybe write some of the things that bring you joy in your life. And then on the other side, the side that's blank, draw a sad face. And, and write some of the things in your life that bring you sadness. Pray. See how those intersect and how you can find hope in the midst of both.